What's up, everyone? Welcome into another off-season episode of Ball in the Real World. I am your host, Kane Pittman, and we're going to be talking NBL today. It's been a busy couple of weeks at the NBL. It always is during the off-season, but you get the initial rush of free agency. Then it felt like it was quiet for maybe a week or two. And now this last couple of weeks here, we've had signings galore, and we're specifically going to talk about the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. We've got the CEO, Tommy Greer, here with us today. Tommy, always a pleasure to catch up. How are you doing, man? Doing real well. Thanks for having me on, Kane. Appreciate it. So I can be a little bit selfish and say that I love this time of year because you start to see the death charts come out. You can make your predictions which teams are going to make the rise, which teams might be in a little bit of trouble, which, of course, is all speculative at this time of season. Mm. But how have you been handling this? Uh, the recruiting, I suspect it's a little bit different to what it's been like in the past. How has the last couple of months been for you? Well, if you enjoy that part of it, we're definitely making uh, your life a little bit difficult because we're being a little <laughs> bit coy this time around, aren't we? Um, we were, we've been in a really fortunate position. I sort of feel that ourselves and, and the Kings were in a really sort of, um, you know, lucky position going into this offseason, having retained a fair chunk of our local roster, um, which we're really comfortable with. We feel like we've got a really good sort of um, core group of locals. Um, at the club now that we're really happy to um, to be building around. Um, and yeah, of course, now sort of setting focus to, um, you know, the couple of key import positions and and, and filling out the, the remainder of the roster. So um, exciting to, excited to uh, get some announcements out the door over the next couple of weeks um, and uh, give you guys something to talk about. So one announcement, and I think that this, as you continue to fill out the roster, I think the announcement of an import guard, we knew it was coming. You guys were pretty open about that fact and just going through the process. So we're going to speak about the the guard signing that you're going to have. Most people will know who it is by the time uh, they are listening to this podcast. But again, in terms of recruiting, you mentioned you guys go through a process, being a little bit quiet compared to some other teams. So, uh, I, and again, this is a question I'm just curious about. Summer League is something that I know you've been to many times before. I've been to a few times. I love it. Uh, what kind of involvement do you have specifically in the recruiting stage? Obviously, this time you can't be there. So what does it look like uh, from your position? Because not all CEOs have the basketball experience or the, or the playing experience, obviously, that you have. So I'm just curious how hands-on you are and how many hours of the day you're spending on the phone the last few weeks. Uh, so it's a little bit different. I'll, I'll sort of answer the first part of that question first and then get into the involvement part second. Um, it is a little bit different not being able to attend summer league. There's definitely an advantage of sort of being there in the hot spot where, you know, you've got all of the basketball world converging into, into a sort of one spot for that two weeks. So there's definitely some advantages in sort of being there, being able to face to face with a lot of agents and a lot of um, NBA connections who can send you down different different uh, avenues. So there's definitely a win there. But I think a, another sort of major part uh, of Summer League, which isn't really spoken about, is the months in advance of getting uh, to that two weeks there. And also the time that you spend in the hotel room sort of looking at tape, you know, for all that time leading up until, until you actually get there. So um, in terms of that, a lot of it's, you know, predominantly the same you know there is a lot of tape there is a lot of research there's a lot of background checks there's a lot of um you know reference checks etc cetera, etc cetera, which uh which goes on and you can do that really from anywhere in the world uh, you've just got just got to be willing to uh to work the uh international <laughs> international hours so through the night um yeah but for the most part 
you know, we've handled that pretty well. We've got a lot of connections through our club, obviously, into the NBA and into, into a lot of different franchises and throughout the, you know, the global basketball community. So we've really been leaning on them uh, over the past few months um, as the sort of, I guess, the, you know, the, the, the main way we've gone around, uh, gone about sort of making connections um, to these athletes. In terms of my involvement, obviously, um, a lot of the grunt work sits with the performance team. You know, Simon Mitchell, our international scout, our coaching staff and assistant coaches um, do a lot of the heavy lifting in that space. And, um, you know, my involvement sort of comes more towards the pointy end um, and then um, sort of decisions and, and, and uh, you know, I, sorry, I guess final decisions and, and critiquing sort of happens at that point, really between sort of Simon, myself and, and uh, our international scout. So we'll get to the name, Xavier Munford, who uh, I've said this to you before, a lot of the times recruits will come into the league and I might've seen a little bit of, or I've certainly heard the name. Some other uh, players like uh, Zach Hankins, who we'll get to in a little bit, I, I didn't know much about at all, but this player, Xavier Munford, you've had a lot of success with your import guards through the first two seasons. Of, of the franchise. And I, I think everyone was looking at this spot saying, okay, well, what's the Phoenix going to do this year because they've had so much success. So Xavier Munford, a player that spent a lot of time playing in the G league, particularly over the last five or six years, had a lot of success. Uh, how did you land on this name and how did this all, all, all sort of come about? Yeah, look, I mean, he's a name that um, I mean, you're very familiar with, so you're going to be able to shed a fair bit of light on, on him for, for all your listeners. But um, having spent as much time covering the Bucks as you have and, and over there in Milwaukee, so and he had some of his best seasons in the G League when he was, uh, when he was playing out there. So, um, look, he's a name that, that brings um, a lot of benefit to us, you know, in a lot of different ways. You know, he's got that, he's got that uh, extra little bit of length, which we've lacked in the backcourt of the first couple of years. He's legitimate sort of 6'2". Um, and that allows us a lot of flexibility in that backcourt. I mean, we've, of course, got the locals in Isaiah and, and, and Kyle, who we need to find minutes for as well. So it's a great opportunity to be able to swing Zay into the one and two. Um, prolific scorer, as you've mentioned, you know he's going to be a he's going to be a massive handful for opposing teams to be able to sort of quieten down. Um, he's had some monster seasons in the G League, did really well over in Turkey and and performing in the Euro Cup as well. So that international experience is definitely something that um, we always look to to make sure that box is ticked um, in terms of the FIBA game as well. Um, also brings a lot of experience with him. You know he's. Uh, He's been around, he's played in multiple um, different locations, you know, uh, around the world and different teams um, throughout the G League as well. So, um, you know, our conversations with him, he's been a sort of consummate professional and, and, you know, we're really looking forward to getting him down here and seeing what he can do. So you mentioned the size straight off, which is interesting to me because I think we all looked at Kiefer Sykes and what he was doing offensively last year. He was obviously a smaller guard. Robeson, John Robeson was a similar. Uh, so is that one of the things you took from the last few years? And again, it's not criticizing what those two guys were able to do. They were fantastic. But did you look at it? Did, did you look at it and say, um, maybe, uh, particularly with someone like Kyle Adnam coming off the bench, maybe, maybe we want some more size, some more length from the backcourt? Definitely provides us a bit more flexibility. It wasn't, um, you know, at no point um, is that size a, um, you know, a, a, a sort of must-have or something like that, like where it disqualified other candidates. But it's definitely an advantage, um, you know, for a player and especially within our roster, um, you know, which I was alluding to before, where we've got such incredible local talent. 
um, who can fill minutes, um, you know, behind there as well. Um, I feel like that extra length is just, uh, you know, it's a real benefit. And, um, you know, that extra flexibility that we have within the roster, being able to slide a Xavier Mumford down to the two or even potentially, you know, spot minutes down at the three, um, you know, be a, a massive benefit for us. When you have someone like Mitch Creek who's there and it, it's really unique that a lot of the times he, he'll play the three or the four, but he'll bring the ball up the floor. He'll do a lot of the ball handling. So when you've looked at it in years gone by and now you have shooters, you've got Ryan Brockoff, you've got Cam Glidden. So having Creek there as a guy that can handle the ball at a four, at the four, does that change the way you look at potentially uh, who you'll have in your traditional one, I guess you want to call it. I feel like positions mean less and less these days. Yeah, they do. Definitely. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, we're, we're incredibly fortunate with the roster we have. You know, we've got ball handlers everywhere. You know, from Ruben Tarangi plays minutes at the point for the New Zealand national team. You know, we, we legitimately have ball handlers all, all over the floor. So, look, that is a big advantage. It allows us to take it off the rim defensively and run, um, get up the floor, play an exciting brand of basketball. So, I think, um, you know, it definitely probably does change our focus a little bit in that regard. You know, it allows us to go with it with someone who can, like I've been um, mentioning, you know, someone who can run with that sort of transition break, either on the wing or, or sort of leading it himself. So as far as the roster composition goes, as it's currently situated, so I've just said positions don't mean so much. So maybe this is simplifying it a little bit. But when you looked at the team you had last year, you look at the bookends with the point guard with the center, uh, ben Moore and Kiefer Sykes. Now you've got Xavier Munford, Zach Hankins. To me, there are some similarities with the way that they play. If you think about Ben Moore and Zach Hankins, ben, uh, Hankins, a guy that does the majority of his work offensively in the paint, he's not going to venture out too much. Probably going to be a pick and roll big, I would, I would assume. So do you see similarities with the way those two imports this year, you're hoping, will, will replace the production you had last season? I mean, just for starters, I mean, both those imports last year, I think, were incredibly productive and, and, and you know, really um, uh, sort of positive pieces for us last year and a big part of, uh, of the success that we had. So we're really excited to see Kiefer, you know, go on and sign that Exhibit 10 with the, with the Pacers. And, you know, I've been talking to him in the background and he's, uh, he's still pretty excited about his opportunity to take up one of that, you know, that final spot there in Indiana and our, our fingers are definitely crossed for him. So excited to see that opportunity come off the back of this year and everything that we're hearing about Ben after his time um, at Summer League uh, is that he's, uh, he's now sort of receiving some, some really big time EuroLeague offers as well. So um, excited to see, you know, the success that they had here, um, benefiting them um, into taking another sort of big leap. Um, in terms of the similarities, um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, I saw Xavier and, and Kiefer as super similar. I think they're, they're a different skill set, definitely in the backcourt. Um, you know, I feel like Xavier's definitely uh, got an incredible ability to be able to get his own at, uh, you know, from, from many different areas on the floor, you know, from the perimeter mid-range or even at the rim, um, which I think will um, go a long way to sort of freeing up, you know, those local contingent of shooters that we have sort of sitting there on the wing. So excited to, to see that come into play. Um, in terms of um, our bigs, Definitely, we saw uh, Zach, um, once again, pretty different, different to Ben. I mean, both effort players both bring that energy and that excitement to the game, which, you know, we really want in, in, 
you know, um, in, in our front court. But we see Zach as more of a, a heavier body, you know, a heavier roll to the rim, um, you know, hold people in the block, those bigger bodies that we struggled, struggled uh, with uh, in the last couple of seasons, um, be able to sort of tick the box for us down there. And the health of the two big men, uh, Hankins and also Dane. I know Dane was yeah, probably frustrating for everyone, none more so than him last year. He wasn't, be, wasn't able to play as much as he would have liked. But how are they both tracking? We know the season's been pushed back a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, we probably should have mentioned this one first. But obviously, you know, we're really saddened um, by, the, uh, by the situation with Zach at Summer League. He's had a bit of cartilage uh, come loose in his knee. Um, and that's going to set him out um, for a period of time, you know, probably in the next sort of three or potentially even four months, um, which has meant that we've had to, uh, to terminate Zach's contract um, and we're sort of back in the market looking for uh, a replacement um, at the moment. So really sad for Zach. We're excited to get him down here. He's such a lovely guy and, and he'll remain on our radar um, going forward. Um, it's been sort of three years now we've been trying to accomplish that with Zach. So uh, one year here in the next little while, we'll, we'll get it done with him. But um, it's not going to be this season, sadly. Um, in terms of Dane, he's progressing really well. He's on the court. He's ready to scrimmage. Um, he's, he's sort of getting back to his normal self. And, um, you know, we're really hoping to get some games into him before, obviously, the kickoff uh, of the season, November 18. So how do you pivot now then? And I know that's a, that's a pretty, pretty basic question, but again, I already mentioned, obviously the season gets pushed back a little bit. Maybe that's uh, you know, beneficial for you guys in, in this type of situation, but, but how do you pivot now? I'm sure that when you first went through the process, you had a bunch of names, a bunch of guys you were talking to anyway. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. So we've got a, we've got a pretty big list of names that we're working through reasonably quickly now and um, progressed um, with a few people already and hope to have something done in the, in, in the near future. With Ryan Brockoff, I already mentioned him a little bit. Perhaps unfairly last season, he came to the league with huge expectations. And of course, you understand that's going to be a case when you have a name like him signed, particularly in Australia, and there's always added excitement there. But he hadn't played for so long. It had been such a long time since he played. To jump into it in the thrust of the season and expect him to be at his best was was probably pretty unfair, as, as I sort of mentioned. It didn't pan out the way that he would have liked. But where is he at right now? And, and what should our expectations be for Ryan Brockoff coming into this year? Look, I think um, expectations should, should remain pretty high. He's an incredibly talented player. You know, he's, he's had success all over the world, similar to what we're saying about um, Xavier. And he's, uh, uh, you know, he brings a really interesting skill set um, with him as well. So, um, you know, I, I remain confident that uh, people's um, expectations have definitely remain high for Ryan. He's been looking, in, starting to look incredibly good uh, on the floor um, out there with the coaches. He's moving a whole lot better. And I think that um, going into next season, he's going to be uh, a bit of a revelation. Um, you know, I think having that sort of the comfort of being at home, the stability of knowing he's going to be here for for an extended period of time um, and having that sort of support around him, I think are going to be really beneficial for him and, and um, you know, hoping that shows in his game. Simon was pretty consistent with this and I feel like I was probably annoying him at some point asking him about <laughs> Ryan Brock off every single press conference that we had. But he, he was pretty consistent that when you, when you look at him and a lot of the shots he was taking, it was catch and shoot, he was in the corner, wherever he was. And it just felt like the team was trying to figure out the best way to use him. Uh, obviously, he wasn't at his best health. What is 
his premier role, do you believe, within this roster? And again, I know it's continuing to evolve. How do you see it? I think he brings a lot of stuff with him. I mean, I think you can't uh, look past his primary use being um, spacing the floor. You know, he's a world-class shooter. And, um, you know, his ability to be able to step back, you know, a metre and further beyond that three-point line and, and demand gravity and attention from other teams' defences, which opens up, you know, the key way and, and, uh, and the rest of the floor for our penetrators like Mitch Creek and Xavier, I think is probably his best, um, his best attribute. Um, he's also pretty solid down the other end. You know, I think this is something with, uh, with Cam Glidden that gets missed as well. You know, these, these sort of uh, elite shooters, people overlook what they can bring on the other end of the floor, but Ryan does a really good job of using his length and he's got a lot of basketball IQ on the defensive end of the floor and see him having the big ability to be able to guard threes and fours, um, you know, in a pinch as well. So I think they're, they're probably his two biggest skill sets. So you guys had a story on the website just in the last couple of days on Simon. You've mentioned him a few times, uh, obviously extended with you guys, going to be with you guys for, for a while. What, what's your relationship with Simon? And, and I say this in regards to you, you've come through this together. Simon spoke a lot about the fact that when you first got here, it was just some ideas. Let's see what we can do and to have the success you've had so far. Uh, he seems to be a coach that has a really, really good connection with the players. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's sort of testament to the relationships that he's that he builds and how he goes about building them. Um, I think you would find talking to any player that's sort of been through the club over the past couple of years, they've all got a lot of admiration and respect for for Simon, and that's that's sort of echoed uh, and felt all around our club and the entire organisation. Um, you know, he's done an incredible job as a rookie coach in his first year, starting with with. Nothing, you know, no resources or, or anything behind him. Um, you know, so look, I mean, we couldn't be prouder of the, the, the sort of work and, and job that Simon's done to this point. And, and like you said, excited that uh, that extension's done and, and he's going to be here. How do you all guys, and probably specifically you, but I'm sure you've, you've had conversations all together about last season. How do you look back on it? Because I, I don't think I've mentioned this to you before and I'm not sure you 100% agree with me, but it... It felt like last season to me with everything, all the pieces that you had that you wanted to fit together and, and it looked like a, a team that could genuinely win a championship, which in the second year is is incredible. But just it felt like there were things along the way, whether it was injuries, whether it was other stuff, the travel at the end of the regular season. It just felt incredibly like... Yeah. It, just, it felt like it was always... <laughs> there was always something. Yeah, it was incredibly disrupted, and which was, um, you know, a little unfortunate, but... You know, every every team had disruptions. You know, uh, definitely felt at times. You know, we we had more than our fair share with with a couple of relocations at pretty untimely times, and you know that relocation to Cairns at the end of the year, um, you know, melded in with a pretty incredible travel roster to finish off that season. I think we were playing sort of five or six games in in uh, you know um, sort of double the amount of days, but. Um, you know, that, that sort of happened with, with all clubs throughout the season. So that's by no means um, an excuse at all. You know, we went into last season um, trying to win a championship, as every team does. And, um, you know, we don't hold uh, being a second-year club or a third-year club as a, as a um, you know, excuse for, for not having the success that, that we want to, which is win a championship. And, um, you know, we've been building towards this over the past few seasons. Um, I feel like we've done um, a really good job to this point. 
Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the next step for us is, is to take that next step, you know, make that grand final, that first grand final appearance and, and bring a championship back to the southeast of Melbourne. So do you think it was successful? I know that's a pretty, pretty easy, pretty, uh, probably you have a broad answer for that, but was it a successful season? I think it was a, it was a successful season. Um, I mean, ultimately we're here to win championships, um, but you put a lens over the top of, uh, over the top of that season. I think, um, under the conditions and, and with everything that we're faced with, um, I think that uh, it was a really positive step for us. You know, obviously moving from from second bottom on the ladder up into uh, you know uh, winning a game in a semi final series and and being an inch away from from finding ourselves in a grand final series, uh, I think is definitely a positive step for the club. You know, on a first time finals appearance and appearance, which is all great experience. You know, it's all really great experience, not only for the players, but for the front office and for us as an organisation. You know, that, that's experience that the clubs need before they can go on and, and take that next step. And we feel a whole lot more prepared um, uh, going into to this season, having been through that. Just some of the off-court stuff before we, before we wrap this up. So financially, clearly, I'd say it's fair to say every league is, is going through challenges. I would suspect this wasn't part of the plan two years ago or three years ago when, when you start. So financially, when you had expectations of where you wanted to be, perhaps there was fans, membership, whatever, off-court stuff, crowds. How serious has this impact been? Uh, obviously, it's been big for the league, but specifically for you guys being a new startup franchise. Yeah, look, I mean, there's no question that we're significantly impacted, you know, going into, uh, you know, a startup franchise year one, going into a global pandemic year two, that global pandemic continuing all the way into year three, uh, definitely puts, um, you know, uh, adds another layer of, of difficulty and adversity um, to what you're trying to build. But um, that being said, you know, uh, as a franchise, you know, we, we've done a really good job over this past 12 months and um, we've managed to limit that hurt um, pretty significantly um, and I'm really confident about sort of where we are at the moment and how prepared we are and the time we've put into to getting organised to be ready to come out of this pandemic um, I think is sort of filling us as a club with confidence that um, once we do see the light at the end of this tunnel um, and we get out of these lockdowns and Australia moves forward with these vaccinations that um we're going to be in a really strong position i suspect the you already mentioned the the final series you had the semi-final series with melbourne and this was something that i think we were all talking about all season whether it was a grand final series or a semi-final series the thought of that being in melbourne was mm. was pretty awesome it would have been pretty awesome so uh, we know what we missed out on on the court but again off court just in terms of what the the team could have gained from that is how significant is that uh, yeah, it's definitely significant, uh, you know, being able to, who doesn't want that, you know, who wouldn't want uh, a, a final series, a semi-final, grand final, whatever we can muster, um, two Melbourne teams here in the, uh, you know, the mecca of basketball uh, down in Melbourne, um, that would have been an incredible experience. But I also think, um, you, you know, don't want to, you know, sort of pass on or, or ignore the, um, you know, the benefit we got out of that that series up there in Sydney anyway, you know, and working through that adversity and that different type of adversity, having to create, you know, our own energy and our own um, uh, situation up there in Sydney. So, 
Um, I think that there's definitely benefits on both sides. Definitely looking forward to a moment in time where we can um, take down Melbourne United in a, in a final series uh, at some point here. How do you think it's building? The uh, the rivalry, everyone, probably people like me get more excited about it than, than than you guys, perhaps. I'm not sure, but you've had some really, really entertaining games, some exciting games, big crowds when you've had the opportunity to. It does feel like your fans in particular and the United fans, they they are building that, I guess, uh, distaste for one another. Yeah, I think it really went to another level. And um, that's what rivalries need. You know, they're not really rivalries until you've played meaningful games against one another. And I feel like that semi-final series last year um, really was the thing that has tipped this rivalry over the edge now. And you really can feel it. You can see it on socials. You can, uh, you can feel it in the arena when those games um, start approaching that um, there is a legitimate sort of angst between the clubs now. And, and you know, you saw it in the, in, in the semi-final series and that's only going to grow as we move forward. So a couple more here. Are you enjoying this? And I, and I ask that uh, through the lens of, again, everything we've just discussed, everything you've had to go through. Uh, I know you can't predict anything when you, when you walk into a job like this, but uh, again, it wouldn't have been what you, uh, I guess, signed up for originally. So how are you enjoying or uh, finding the stress of, of the job right now and everything, every challenge is getting thrown at you guys? Uh, no question. There's definitely stresses, there's you know adversity, there's challenges and there's all that sort of stuff. But um, that's what makes the job great. You know, working within a sport that, uh, you know, I've loved my entire life. Um, you know, I've spent my life um, working in and, and sort of devoting it to that. So, um, you know, definitely enjoying it. Um, you know, there's been plenty of wins uh, along the way already uh, in our short existence. And, um, you know, can't wait to, uh, to see what's ahead and, and sort of keep steering this, this club in, in the right direction and, and towards um, championship success. So just to tidy it up with Zave, what's the, we know obviously they come through, they come to hotel quarantine, you'll probably try and get to Melbourne sometime in the next few weeks. What's the, what's the plan there if there is one already? Yeah, so navigating that at the moment, flights into Australia are definitely difficult at the moment. Um, so sort of working with um, state government, working with um, the NBL on, on the sort of best approach um, to, to move Bosay and, and our replacement for, for Zach into the country as quick as we can and then hope to kick off um, pre-season uh, early October um, before uh, starting our campa- campaign for next season. And a timeline for the for the big man. What are we looking at? Do you have uh, do you have a set date for that? <laughs> no set date, but uh, it's on its way. We're down the line, so I can't imagine it being too far away. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, you mentioned it. I made the uh, sometimes not so enjoyable trip to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I saw Xavier Munford play a number of times with the Wisconsin Herd. Feels like the Wisconsin Herd's taken over the, the NBL this season with a few other signings <laughs> uh, north of the Victorian border. So it's going to be a lot of fun. He is a fun player, can score at, uh, at a very high level, which is something you guys have, have uh, become familiar with at the, at the point guard spot. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Tommy, appreciate your time coming on the show today. It's always fun to chat.